movies like this make me think uh, ChatGPT might do better. Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch your favorite rom-coms to decide whether they hold up. I'm Gary Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And you can find us on the internet at hold underscore up. You can on the internet. Just on like just put, plug it in. You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on TikTok at hold up podcast. And you can join our Patreon for bonus episodes and opportunities to force us to watch shitty movies like Failure to Launch. We'll never forget this, patrons. Um, you can do all that. You get bonus episodes and all that good stuff. We have to talk about what our bonus episode is this month. Maybe to be it. fair to our patrons, we didn't give them a good option this time. The options were the second best option. The, I options- think this was our options were Along Came Polly, Failure to Launch, and All About Steve, a movie I've never heard of. I think I'm willing to say this is better than All About Steve would have been. But also, I think this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Okay, but you never answered my question from last night. Is this worse than First Daughter? Which one was First Daughter? Mandy Moore or Katie Holmes? Katie. I don't know. Maybe it's just like fresh bias. I think this was worse. I think First Daughter was worse. This had like a decent premise. It had a terrible premise. It had decent actors. No, okay. Oh, God. I mean, yes, they're decent actors. All the actors are good. <laughs> but at one point, Benson Johnny goes, feel bad when you have good actors and you just can tell that they know they're doing they're making shit i was like oh yeah like they're giving it 60 percent oh no doubt this movie stars a star-studded cast sarah jessica parker matthew mcconaughey zoe dejanel in a role i still don't understand the purpose of um, or why she was always chugging up oh ben goes this character doesn't make sense she's her Apartment is decorated with books, but she's always drinking Bud Light. And I was like, bro, that's mutually your living girlfriend is that? Like, what are you talking? He was like, oh, I guess that's true. I I mean, I drink Miller Light because I have class, but um, Bradley Cooper playing a character named like Deuce or something shitty. Mm -hmm. Dewey, maybe? I don't care. Uh, Justin Bertha? Mm-hmm. The other one from The Hangover. Kathy Bates, that football guy. Terry Bradshaw. Thank you. Anyway, and it's about Matthew McConaughey is a man who won't leave home, so they hire Sarah Jessica Parker, a woman who's created a career out of getting men, child men, boy men, to leave their parents' house. Except the problem with this premise is like we see the beginning where Kathy Bates is doting on her 35-year-old adult son. I hate it all. Every man in this movie. I wanted everyone to die. Except other than that, we don't really see any evidence of his like man-childness. He like has a decent job and drives a decent car. And when his parents at the end are like, you should leave, he's like, Yeah, okay. Like, well, and that's like didn't create a character that was like no one wanted to leave that like they didn't create this character in a believable way and i think that's because we have to believe that sarah jessica parker falls in love with him but then it's like why don't we watch him grow and change throughout the movie instead of just always being like yeah okay i don't know right like the realization she comes to is she's like well he doesn't fit like the textbook of like a man that lives at home which also gross disgusting because he's hot right because he's hot and like 
has social skills, which like there's lots of people reasons people live at home. Also, like to J- Justin Bartha's character, like he quote unquote lives at home, except like he owns the home and the and his mother lives with him. That's the reveal like, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There was just something like really icky about. I mean, granted, I'm looking at this like this is 2003, 2006. No, we didn't do this part. This movie came out in 2006, holds a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is too high and an insult to Practical Magic, which holds a 29. It was directed by Tom Day and written by Tom J. Assel and Matt Ember. There's no doubt in my mind that this was written by a man. I could have told oh, you that. So many lines where I was like, written by men, written by men. I could have told uh, you I'm that. Without- one of those girls who doesn't eat was the one that stood out to me. There were so many. Oh, this whole premise is written by a man. First of all, like the idea that like men want to live at home to be like mothered. Yes, there are certainly those men. There are men who marry women so that somebody will mother them. Uh, oh, completely. the TikTok thing of the man whose wife makes him nachos because he he'll starve without it. Okay, babe, exactly. Starve. To be fair, it's I'm pretty like sure I'm that person in my relationship. I sent it to Ben, and I was like, and he was like, "This is gross," and I was like. I know, but do you think maybe I'm the man? <laughs> when it was goes, like my wife doesn't goes, want to eat dinner, or my husband doesn't want to eat dinner, so I made him nachos. I was like, I think I've done that. Or not like not like I haven't made nachos. Day. I haven't made an alternative dinner for Jeff. I'm saying like he's made me an alternative dinner. Oh yes, we. I said that to Ben. I was like, I think I might be the man in this relationship because she said if he if she doesn't cook for him, he'll starve. And he goes, Oh no, did you not eat tonight? <laughs> and I really? haven't really. <laughs> Truly, Jeff and the boys went to Louisville for a week and I was home by myself, which was glorious. But Jeff literally at one point texted me and was like, have you eaten? And I was like, yeah, people will bring food to my door. (laughs) You're a widow. (laughs) Truly, truly. No, I had the same Um, thought where I was like, this is disgusting and women shouldn't have to do this. And it's actually feminist that in my relationship, I'm the person who's like, feed me, please. It's feminist that in my relationship, I'm an incompetent troll. <laughs> Before I sat down for this, he goes, oh, no, have you eaten yet? And I was like, no, I'll eat after. And you know what? I don't know what I'm going to eat after because I saw him eating yogurt out there. So I'm going to have to cook myself eggs. I just. Like some sort true. of a house. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, back to basically Carrie and I are fucking invalids. So, okay, so this is, what did we say? This is 2006. 2006. Okay, so this is pre-housing market crash. This is pre-COVID. So, like, I understand that I'm looking at this with, like, a 2023 lens. But, like, there was something kind of icky to me about, like, oh, my God, how dare people live at home? There's lots of reasons that people live at home. Also, like, Bradley Cooper at one point makes the point, like, and granted, I understand, like, they're supposed to be bro characters, but like he makes the point he's like in basically every other like country in the world, like you have multi-generational living, but like here we're looked down upon it. I'm like, okay, first of all, two separate things. First of all, like, yes, there are man children who like don't know how to not be mothered. You are that. Although I don't think Bradley Cooper's character was, or we weren't supposed to believe he was. Anyway. He was like some adventurer outdoor. No one is no one's character is like well defined. So it's unclear no. what anyone is or what their purpose is. Zoe Chanel's entire character is she drinks Bud Light. But he is correct that like um like the nuclear family system that we have established in the United States is 
not how humans are meant to live. And we should be living in like multi-generational homes, but not so our parents can take care of us so that we can start to take care of our parents and that they can help us care, like so that all the generations can care for each other. Yeah, there were like, this movie like, like, had we had like the LaCroix can version of two interesting points, right? Like, right. It, was like a, <laughs> it was like a LaCroix of multi-generational living. And at the end, Kathy Bates says something to like, I'm worried that once you're gone, your father. Uh, like he won't like father, me. And I was like, what if my husband doesn't like me when I'm not a mother anymore? And I was like, that's an interesting question of women who've been told their entire purpose is motherhood. And they're, they weren't meant to work outside the home. Their entire job was raising children. Like what does happen to those women and their relationships when then they don't have children to raise anymore? But like this movie, but again, like it was like, we don't talk about or unpack that in any sort of feminist way. It's just sort of like, well, do you love dad? Then you'll be fine. Like, just keep, just keep doting on him. As long as you're bringing him food. Like, it comes at like with like 15 minutes left in the movie. And I was like, I'm sorry. Are we just like dropping a whole new plot point at 15 minutes to go? Like what is happening here? We realized we gave Kathy Bates fucking nothing to do and tried to give her an interesting plot. Line, but it was too little too late. Also in no world are you going to convince me that the real villains in this movie are not Terry Bradshaw, Kathy Bates and Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, Carrie. The men are also villains. There's everyone's a everyone's a villain in this movie. Okay, but I am not going to empathize with the 35 year old man whose mother still needs to make him pancakes. Although then later he's like cooking a full meal. I'm like, this man is capable. He just I don't understand. <laughs> okay, so we come yeah. to find out that like the reason that he's living at home is not because he's like. I like that we have like Pat Oswald as like the example of like the the stereotype of the man who lives at home, which, which like, is also like early Pat Oswald because now Pat Oswald's like identity is like I was a single father because my wife died. Like Pat, yeah, and I've convinced like is like I do two jobs as a parent. <laughs> also, like I. Uh, I'm a widower, so I convinced not only my first wife, but now my second wife, like two beautiful, accomplished women, to marry me. Mm-hmm. So like something's working there right and like is like internet girl bad like right <laughs> right um yeah like everyone's rooting for pat pat oswald like you know not it doesn't matter like who you are what your walk of life like we're all rooting for pat oswald no anyway the one thing that unites us is dolly parton and pat oswald <laughs> right um so, like, there's this reveal that, like, the reason he's stunted in relationships and hasn't left home is that his fiance, who was, like, the love of his life, died, and he's never really gotten over it. And she left behind a child with whom he's very close. And I was like, I'm sorry. This man has been through, like, a major life trauma, and his parents think that the best way to solve that is to deceive him and like convince him to fall in love with this woman and then like she goes on first of all her whole like storyline is banana pants and i think it's just wild that we even are like okay with that as premise but then like she's like oh well he lost his fiance but it's fine i'll like continue to let him fall in love with me and i was like in what world is this okay like except what Two what? points. Were they falling in love because I never saw them have a conversation where I was like, I believe these two people love. And second of all, that 
storyline of the dead fiance was not planted and paid off. It was just at the end being like, guess what? This thing also happened. Except that I think this movie thinks it planted it by showing us her son, who is a uh, black kid. I think it thinks it planted us by calling him his nephew and thinking like this all white movie and it's mostly white audiences would be like, well, it can't be his nephew. It's a black kid. So there must be a deeper story there. Except I wasn't thinking that. I was just like, oh, it's like either he has like a sibling we're not talking about who adopted a kid or this is some sort of like big brother program and they're close. Like I didn't, I was just like, I would love someone to explain this child, but like, whatever, he's just there to make Matthew McConaughey seem likable. And then I kept Amanda's waiting like, for like, he was his ex fiance's son. And it's like, okay, I needed to have planted that he had some sort of trauma early on, or else it just feels like, oh shit, we need like a fix to why he's like this. It felt yeah. like very shoehorned in. Oh, I, in terms of the kid, I was just waiting for like Kristen Johnson or Judy Greer or some like rom-com sidekick to show up with a black husband and be like, this is our child. You know, yeah, like, because also sister. I was like, like I kept there's waiting no for sister, a sister, so we're calling him a nephew. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I, someone's going to explain it at some point, except maybe not, because this movie is poorly written. This movie is chat GPT. Wild. Yes. Um, I, so the other thing is, like, I, I knew the basic premise, but I thought that, like, her role as, like, the consultant to, like, get your son out of your house was, like, on the up and up. Like, everybody knew it. And, like, sure. she trained the men to, like, be independent. I didn't that realize that, fun, like... Right? That movie. There would be fun. There would be fun to that. And I didn't... Watch him grow and change. I get Right. And then I feel like... And then, like, the love story I'd be, like, way more okay with. I didn't realize that it was, like, a fake relationship where she, like, deceives these men so that they, like gain confidence or self-esteem and then feel like they can move out on their own i was like what because also the idea that men don't leave home because they don't have confidence and not because they think it's a woman's job to take care of them and can't fucking function on their own is banana pants or because like so the just the idea we live in a shitty economy like he can't can't leave home you have way more empathy because he had a fine job carrie he could have left home no no i'm not saying like i'm not saying with this particular man i'm saying like just in general like this idea that like like her whole premise her whole business model is built on like men don't leave home because they don't have self-confidence and i feel like in this economy what i think they think they're i think men don't leave home because they have too much entitlement and self-confidence i think like the people like money problems that like economic stuff aside like the true people in the world who don't leave home not because they can't afford it not because whatever is because they feel entitled to a person taking care of them and can't function and take care of themselves and i don't have any empathy for that you're a fucking adult learn how to Mm -hmm. cook and keep a house and whatever um, it's because because we have told men their whole lives for centuries and centuries that they don't have to learn to take care of themselves because their mother and then a wife will do it for them. They'll cook for them, they're queen for them, etc. And now we have a generation of men after feminism being like, well, no, the women are doing that. So what am I supposed to do? Bitch, you're supposed to learn to do it yourself. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You're supposed to learn to cook and clean. I don't have I don't have any empathy. Um but also just like the very sexist premise that like he can't leave home. So they have to bring in a woman to do it. Like it's uh, the entire movie is based on the premise that like women will serve and like take care of this Six men. shitty, unlikable man. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like on one hand, I don't, I'm like just like really weirded out by the premise of like this woman's going to fix this man. But I'm also really weirded out by the premise of like this woman's lying to this man. Yeah. And like everyone's exploiting this man's trauma, including his parents. I was just like, I, and then I'm supposed to believe they fall in love when I do not see that. I did not watch that happen at all. So like the payoff at the end, I'm like, I could not care less. Also, it was like live streamed because Justin Bartha had cameras, which was very creepy and illegal. And also like they kept getting different angles. It made no sense. And he was tied up. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Um, But everyone was watching on. I'm also not convinced that in that last scene that we're watching where they reconcile and they're like, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. I'm not convinced that Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew McConaughey were in the same room. I don't know that they've ever met each other, Carrie. I don't think they were in the same room for the entire filming of this movie. But genuinely, like, if you watch that scene, you don't ever see both of their faces at the same time. You see, like, one of them from behind. Mm-hmm. And then it switches. I'm, I'm, and she's wearing a terrible wig. I'm almost certain it was a reshoot and they could not get their schedules together and so they used stand-ins for that last scene i'm i would bet my life that that's what happened in that i'm willing to believe that she was a busy and it didn't matter because right i mean to be fair she was kind of busy in 2006 um it didn't matter because the chemistry was the same even with stand he had more chemistry with all the animals that kept biting him which was another like inexplicable movie threat. he has more chemistry like weird and funny with bradley cooper and justin bartha than he did with sarah jessica parker this is my favorite era of bradley cooper my favorite era of bradley cooper is mean shitty like douchey guy my favorite era of bradley cooper is wedding crashers which is a movie we will have to do one day and most certainly does not hold up it's better than this movie <laughs> will i laugh yeah i will oh it's a, i watched it recently and i was like this is so bad i love it <laughs> oh look a literal rape scene uh anyway we'll get to it at a different time <laughs> um like the fact that they have found like the bradley cooper i yearn for and i was still like i hate this and him tells you how bad this movie was i honestly felt like justin bertha and bradley cooper were the best part of this movie like well carrie that's not a very high bar no granted like they didn't save this movie but like the scenes with justin bertha and bradley cooper or justin bertha and zoe deschanel were the only saving graces in this movie justin bertha and zoe deschanel had like a weird side romance at one point she's buying a gun to kill this bird that chirps at night which i have a bird in my apartment or outside my apartment that chirps at night so i do understand her anger so she goes to buy a gun and then does like uh one of the cordry brothers won't let her have the gun it was wrong gun rights were still a thing and i was like oh you couldn't make this movie now so like sure honey how many do you want i said gun dealers are never this careful about selling a gun um so Justin Bartha gets her BB gun and I was like, oh, obviously the comedic conceit is that she's accidentally going to shoot Matthew McConaughey. Nope. It doesn't ever connect back to the main story, except that then they start having sex with each other after he tells her he had he had an undescended testicle and that's why his nickname is Ace. And then she has and then like she like jumps his bones. I'm like, that's that's what did it for her. It's Justin Bartha. He's a perfectly attractive young man, which who they keep calling ugly. <laughs> Yeah, they keep trying to convince us that Justin Bartha is like 
a, like the troll of this group and like granted to be fair, i guess if bradley cooper and matthew mcconaughey are your friends yeah but like this is hollywood ugly you know this is how people say sarah jessica parker is ugly you know yeah i was like i don't understand also did you know that justin bartha and bradley cooper are, are friends in real life i looked it up of course they made like 18 movies together i don't know how many hangovers they are i'm not interested in yes. knowing but they have to be they also have like kids around the same age like their kids are the same age so they're like dad friends I would assume that they made this and then The Hangover because they were like, we have to make a better movie than that piece of trash. And then then they made two more. What, like seven subsequent hangovers? Yes. Hangs over? What's the the proper plural of hangover? Hungovers. Um, (laughs) Hanged over. I also like, because I didn't see a love story develop, and I only ever saw her, like, in her deception to him. Like, I never saw, like, a real moment between them. No, no. There's no, like, who she is or why. She has no character. She's, she's there to she is and apologize to him. Never developed as a character. No. Um, but it left me wondering, like, have you never fallen in love with a client before? Like, I feel like the way you're acting with this man is how you interact with all the men. Like, why this man? Because he's hot, I guess. Okay. Oh, I just wrote down this entire family needs therapy. Everyone, right. Everyone right. therapy. If your grown child will not leave your home because he's emotionally stunted because of a major trauma he suffered, get him therapy. Don't lie to him. That would be a more interesting movie. Would it be more of like a family drama? I never thought I could be more angry at Sarah Jessica Parker in a rom-com than The Family Stone. (laughs) Was this worse than The Family Stone? Oh, yes. Carrie. I Look, I am a family stone. I Someone at work the other day was like, I love that movie. And I was like, I want to have a deep, in-depth discussion with you. <laughs> um, I obviously hate the movie The Family Stone. We did an entire podcast about it. Um, But it is a significantly better movie. Like, the care. Also, The Family Stone has, like, 12 characters to develop. And each one is developed better than the, like, two they had in this movie. It's so... <laughs> I also at one point she's like after she after like it's been revealed that she's been lying to him she's like he won't return any of my phone calls I don't know where I went wrong and I was like ma'am really like you lied to him about who you were and about falling in love with him I don't understand what you don't understand about his his anger towards you this movie is very deserved anger this movie is very very clearly trying to piggyback off the success of how is a guy in 10 days yes it is yes very much a attempt at a how to lose a guy in 10 days style romp that falls very short in part because how to lose a guy in 10 days they are each developed character like both uh kate hudson and matthew mcconaughey are much better developed characters and obviously we have our like go back and listen to that episode like she is the cool girl but she still is a character with thoughts and feelings and emotions i and, also believe that and they and both do something wrong they deceive each other right and this like he doesn't really do anything wrong except be a man child which again i have stated and i stand by it i only wish the worst for him but he isn't doing anything really other than no like everyone's letting him behave that way he's not doing anything to her he's not like in yes. any way malicious toward her in the same way that she is malicious like it is malicious to do what she did it's so fucked up and i understand that it's a rom-com and i understand that like when we get into like the fake relationship trope like weird stuff happens and i forgive a lot like 
I will they both do really like, this is they yes, do like really shitty unforgivable things and how to lose a guy in 10 days they both lie to each other that but like the very simple conceit of that movie is that each of their objectives are in direct opposition to each other and the only way to keep them like together is because they start to fall in love and part of that is built on the idea that like oh both those characters are developed and have personalities and to the kate hudson and Matthew mcconaughey have chemistry which right i love sarah jessica parker we're probably gonna have to talk about it just like that season two and that hurts me but we're gonna do it there's nothing like i don't believe like i was like this is like watching her and i don't know stanley try and have a relationship like, i mean that is a show i would rather watch like, one of the things that works about a rom-com that has a ridiculous premise, like How to Lose a Guy, the thing that saves it is you believe the love story. I did not believe this love story at all. And there's never really a grounding moment. Like, again, you and I have gotten on – Ben asked, he was like, do you guys ever talk about the inherent – which he doesn't listen to this podcast, so he would know. Do you guys ever talk about, like, the inherent problems with the genre of rom-coms is that often they're, like – super high concept unbelievable things that then a couple has to fall in love in a really short amount of time or like uh blah 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 and i was like yeah but the rom-coms we tend to love are not that they are right showing a relationship develop over i mean like when harry met sally is the most traditional and our favorite but it's you watching a relationship develop over in that case 12 years or a long decent amount of time and even the ones we like where they do fall in love in a ridiculous amount of time uh, while you were sleeping the characters are so well developed that you buy it and the writing like the writing has to be really good to buy that and the chemistry and has to be not, there and the chemistry has to be there you and i are not really high concept rom-com girlies like i like how to lose a guy in 10 days i'm happy to watch it it's not one of my favorites because it's like high concept and a little bit ridiculous but what buys it is those characters are better and you have grounding moments. When they go mm-hmm. to Long Island and meet his family, you are mm-hmm. you are having a moment where neither of them are really lying. They're like being themselves and falling in love as themselves. And you're seeing what they like and love when will ultimately love about each other. This didn't have that. It didn't have a mo- moment of them like genuinely falling in love or genuinely ha- or having like a real conversation or starting to like that so i'm not gonna buy at the end of it that they're suddenly in love after three weeks or whatever it's been because you haven't all you're doing is telling me they love each other or have fallen like i'm not seeing it develop yeah we never had the moment of vulnerability particularly for her there was not a single move moment in this movie where i felt like i was seeing her real self her real yeah. character and so like, if I, as the audience, can't tell what was real between them and what was her faking it, like, why or why do I believe that he can? You know, like, I don't know. No, it was stupid. It was and so stupid. fighting him. And then later, it's like... It's right, because then so we like- tried to do, like, this weird, like, hijinksy thing with, like, the animals, and then there was the bird scene, which was kind of funny because Justin Bartha and Zoe Deschanel are funny, but, like, it was... The tone was weird. Like it, we switched between like classic early aughts rom com to like like broad antics. comedy and antics. But yeah, I also didn't find it funny, despite the fact that many, like all the actors except maybe Matthew McConaughey in this movie are known for comedy. You have like high level comedic actors in this thing, and I found I did not laugh. 
It didn't chuckle. It didn't smile. I was like, it's like, it's hard to show any of these people and not, and not have a moment of actual humor. I never laughed. I had moments where Zoe Deschanel made me smile, but so much of that is just because like Zoe Deschanel is inherently funny. You know what I mean? Like Like, a high ponytail and bangs. And she also, the number of times that woman was wearing cuffed bootleg jeans with heels. I mean, at one point had wide leg capris. I was like, if this is what we're going to take me now, but they were like, no interest, but they were like regular pants that she had just like folded up. Like we all did in 2006. I was like, I'm sorry. Am I, back in college and going out tonight because that's what i suddenly <laughs> do was i like, need jeans and a going out top right jeans uh, are we wearing jeans and a going out top all the dudes Megan mcconaughey justin bartha and bradley cooper who all their names are trip ace and i really can't remember demo i wish i didn't know that okay <laughs> you know what three? i wish i could have gone made? my entire life died happily Having never seen Terry Bradshaw's ass. Oh, I kept yelling, show us a penis or show us nothing. I did not need to see that old man's ass. They have a naked scene and they obviously cover his penis. But I was like, look, if I'm committed at this point, like I wanted more if we're being honest. Hmm. Not because I'm attracted to Terry Bradshaw, just because like, don't be a cock tease movie, you know? Sure, sure. Um. Anyway, so they keep doing, like, it's like the writers of this movie Googled, like, what do bros do? And they were like, oh, they hike and they surf. And they and so they were doing all these outdoorsy shit. And they, and they climb mount and they climb rocks, whatever, because that's what bros do. And every time they go do an outdoorsy adventure thing, um, Matthew McConaughey gets bitten by some animal. First, it's a chipmunk. Then it's a dolphin. Yeah, a dolphin. Then it's. A, like a vegetarian lizard or something and bradley cooper is like it's because you're fundamentally at odds with nature and then later at the end of the movie he is in water again and the dolphin doesn't try and kill him and i was like this makes no sense this ridiculous thing is not earned or funny and at the end of my very last note is good i hope he drowns because he was in water and i wanted the dolphin to kill him he unfortunately spoiler yeah the and again like We've watched movies where there's, like, some kind of animals, like, hijinks that we're fine with. Like, Fifty First Dates. Enchanted. Because Fifty First Dates is ridiculous. It's ridiculous the entire time. It's never trying. The premise is ridiculous. It knows it. It's never trying to not be ridiculous. It's never. And there are grounded moments. Yes, again, like, we have the moments of, of authenticity. That we were missing mostly here. because drew barrymore is endearing as fuck and because we're sandler apologists over here but like it's never not leaning into that this movie is is not doing that except when it is and it's yeah. a real like it's very jarring like i feel like we're flashy yes we're switching between genres with very little like reason there's also, again, at the end of the movie, Bradley Cooper is like, it's because you're fundamentally at odds with nature. But that's never, there's nothing like planted in that. So you keep just watching these scenes and being like, animals keep biting him. Is this going to be explained? Or is this just random? And then when it is, it feels like it's explained poorly. Well, like we have this moment where Justin, Bartha, and Bradley Cooper are like, well, we both technically live at home, but like 
we are also like living our passion and we're happy and we're not dysfunctional. So like on one hand, we're like kind of walking back this like gross kind of premise where we're judging everybody who lives at home. But again, like we we're, it's like a, as with a lot of the plot in this movie and a lot of the reconciliation in this movie, it's like a one-off line and then we move on and we don't unpack any of it. It's just like, what the fuck? Well, it's all very, this end of this movie is all very like denouement. Like here's why everything happened and now we explain it with a couple lines and that's the end of the movie. It's like, oh, nothing is, it's all just explained to us at the end. Nothing is earned. Nothing is shown. This movie just tells us what we're supposed to be watching. And then there's like weird scenes where a chipmunk bites his hand. Like it's not showing us the development of this relationship. It's not showing us the development of this man who lives at home. It's not showing us his grief or trauma over losing his fiance. It's just later telling us that that's what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And also that like the, the way it gets discovered is because Justin Bartha sees Sarah Jessica Parker on like a quote unquote date with Patton Oswalt. And I was like, and it's not clear that whether he like actually overhears the conversation or just sees them. But I was like, how is the assumption here that she's cheating? Because there was nothing about that interaction that felt sexual to me. It was a woman with a man, Carrie. I was like, women I are with man, men, they can't, women are not meant to sit with men. I feel like so much was not thought through. No, this feels like it was written quite quickly by men. By men. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't uh, even had to look at my notes, but there's, I'm not one of those girls who doesn't eat. Cool. Um, this movie is all about how women are responsible for their shitty men. Is this the first time this man has been given chores? Oh, yes. At one point, he's like, his mom is like, I'm going to ask him to do things. And the reaction is like, and it was like, clean the kitchen. And his reaction was like, he died. Um, yes, this is very clearly a man, uh, or a movie written by men. I do, there was one scene where they, like, were on a boat, and then they got off the boat, and they were eating, like, seaside and eating fresh seafood and beers, and, like, Mm -hmm. I want nothing Mm -hmm. more than that right now. Just show me that scene on loop, because I just want to eat eating crabs and drinking beer. Yes. Uh We watched, um, The Little Mermaid 2 this morning. Of course. And- and Jeff at one point was like, I want to be at the beach. And I was like, I'm sorry. This like shitty Disney movie is like, what's convincing you that you want to be at the beach right now? And he was like, yeah. It's like, I want to be yeah. eating Sebastian. <laughs> exactly. Same. Exactly. Um, The other main problem with this movie and it's very stupid pre- premise is that we never see her successfully do it. Because this movie is entirely based on him and we see his life, we never see her successfully, like, do what she's supposed to. We never see it work. We needed, Mm -hmm. like, a montage at the beginning of her showing us what she does to get men to move out. And we don't ever see that. So when it's going wrong, we don't know. We're just sort of like, well, I don't know what it looks like when it goes right. And this isn't something that, like, this isn't a real job. This isn't something that the audience knows what's happening. So how are we supposed to know that she's failing it's just it's just badly written it's just really badly written and executed yeah listen i don't mind matthew mcconaughey and his rom-com era you know but this was not it no i love a matthew mcconaughey and his rom-com era just bring me back to maybe we gotta watch fool's gold is that one supposed to be good i don't know 
Um, oh, the other thing this does, I mean, one of many things where you're like, oh, this movie is written by a man. At the end, like Sarah Jessica Parker and Zoe Deschanel are having some sort of like emotional apologizing to each other scene. And Zoe Deschanel says something like, uh, I don't, I don't get emotional. Like I don't, I'm not, and she says something like, I'm, I'm not like a regular woman. I don't like cry. And I was like, I'm going to throw myself off something. Truly. <laughs> women are emotionally stunted too. Like women have emotional problems too, but these guys also, oh, movie, also like, women at cry the end. and are good with their emotions and move out of their parents' house. Also because the they have to. It- when they're like all watching the like the whole restaurant is watching their reconciliation on Justin Bartha's cameras, some man is crying and his uh-huh. girlfriend like hits him and is like, What are you crying? Stop it. And it's like, I cannot with the heteronormativity of this movie. Ben was like, write that down. And I was like, I'm too tired. I've written down too many things. Right. Yes, I did. Right. That is yeah. Uh, tell Ben okay. I got it. Oh, um, it's bad. Yeah, don't watch it, guys. It's not worth <laughs> it. It's not, it's not great. Thanks for making if us watch it, patrons. Movie, don't even explain why. I don't agree. I don't want to know. I don't right. understand why or how. Early on in the movie, when Terry Bradshaw and uh, Kathy Bates are buying chairs, and she wants a particular type of chair, and he says, "Well, you can't buy it. You're poor. If you want money, you have to go back to dancing." As if her raising your child for thirty five years isn't fucking work, and she hasn't earned the right to buy. <laughs> raising children is work. And you should stop it's doing unpaid it labor. 22. Um, anyway, it was a nice moment where that man was like, all the unpaid labor you did to feed me because I can't fucking feed myself and to feed our child because you haven't taught him to feed himself. Mm, you don't get to buy a chair. Um, anyway. Jeff just texted me and said, I'm sorry to Allison for all of the background noise she's going to have to edit out. I just heard a lot of chatter about uh, a doctor. It sounds like Bensley is giving your husband a physical. They're currently shaving off his beard. I assume to do face surgery. I mean, not actually. They're Pretend, pretending. I hope. Wait, yes. hang on. All right. Next week, we are watching There's Something About Mary. Gary, what are your predictions? That it won't hold up, but that I, I will enjoy it. I haven't seen it since I was a child. I know that she puts jizz in her hair. Yeah, At really the time, I thought it I legitimately remember. was hair gel. Um. I honestly don't even like really know the premise for being honest. There's something, there's definitely something about Mary, you know, there's definitely right. something about her. Right. Shout out to the Vanderpump rules, uh, feminist sandwich shop, something about her coming to Los Angeles so soon. Um, yeah. Join us in two weeks to see what we think of. There's something about Mary. And we're going to put up a new Patreon. First of all, we have a Patreon <laughs> episode. We have like February's that never went up. It's now about to be May. So we'll throw that up. Guys, don't worry. I'm about to have so much time because I'm about to be <laughs> super. I'll have to do four hours a day on the strike line. But after that. After that, she's all she's just focused on the podcast, folks. Yep, yep, um, yep, yep. Okay, yep. um, uh, bye. Bye.